Welcome to Advancing All Women with Sarah Alter, President and CEO of Next Up. On this show, you'll hear top executives and experts talk the most pressing topics of the moment for women in the workplace, including key issues that affect the advancement of women, creating better workplaces for women of color, DEI and B solutions, and more. Now, here's your host, Sarah Alter. Earning a PhD from a U.S. grad school typically requires nearly six years. In an incredible U.S. news article that I found last night in my homework preparation for our show today, um, it quotes that there's a census of recent research doctorate recipients who earned their degree from U.S. institutions and that the median amount of time it took individuals who received their doctorates to complete a program was 5.8 years. Wow, right? However, there are many types of programs that typically take longer, such as humanities and arts doctorates, where the median time is almost as high as seven plus years, according to this survey. So what does it take to get a PhD? Well, students typically need to fulfill course requirements and pass comprehensive exams. And once these obligations have been completed, how long it takes you to write your dissertation depends on who you are, how you work, what field you're in, and what other responsibilities in your life. And though some PhD students can write a dissertation in a single year, wow, <laughs> that is rare. And the dissertation writing process can last for several years. And so this dissertation is this pivotal component of getting your PhD degree. And what you must do is produce and successfully defend an original academic dissertation, which must be approved by a dissertation committee. Writing and defending a dissertation is so difficult that many PhD students drop out of their programs, having done most of the work necessary for the degree, but without completing the dissertation component. And these PhD dropouts often use the phrase all but dissertation or the abbreviation ABD on their resumes. According to the Comprehensive Study of PhD Completion Rates published by the Council of Graduate Students, only 56.6% of people who begin a PhD degree program earn the degree. Wow. Okay, this is a journey. This is a labor of love, clearly. In the same article, it says PhD degree holders urge pr prospective students to think carefully about whether they truly want or need a doctoral degree since these programs can last for several years. And it's a long commitment of time, of energy and financial resources. So you darn well better be passionate about research. This quote goes on saying, finally, a PhD isn't about rehashing years of knowledge. It's not about looking back at history or what others have said that is already out there, but it's about your ability to generate new knowledge. Your intellectual masterpiece, which is your dissertation, your baby, I have to imagine, takes a lot of time, intellectual creativity and innovation to put together. 
So again, you better darn well be passionate about your PhD. All righty. So given this long road and this heavy lift of workload, this labor of love, imagine doing it while you're working full time. You're caring for yourself, for your family, for your household, or even just, dare I say it, trying to have a social life. I don't even know how. I can't even imagine how someone could do it. But today, oh, you will hear from three amazing individuals who in two cases have already done that successfully. And one who is currently in the process, and I have no doubt in my mind, she will be successful as well. Why did they do it? And how did their company support them through this challenging but rewarding journey? And most importantly, we're going we're gonna to leave you with some advice, my incredible audience, as to why and how you as leaders can better enable and support such ongoing education of your teams. And, and, and a PhD is clearly a lofty, lofty goal, but there are so many other ways you can continue your education and your professional career. And why do you need to do it? Because as I've said before, knowledge has a shelf life. I am Sarah Alter, your host of the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast, and proudly, oh so proudly, the CEO and president of Next Up. And today I am joined by three incredible leaders, Cornelia Shipley, CEO and founder of 3C Consulting, Val Oswalt, executive vice president and president of Campbell Snacks, Campbell Soup Company. And Jennifer Kruger, Jen, who I'm going to read her old title. And then when she introduces herself, I want her to share her new title because she just got a fantastic new promotion and adventure. But she was the Chief Learning Officer, Vice President, Learning and Development for Ahol Delhi. So welcome, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. 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 All righty. Okay. All right, so I am in awe of all three of you. Like our audience can't see it, but I'm bowing down to all three of them. <laughs> um, Val, kick us off. Tell us about your personal and professional journey and your <laughs> academic one too. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, so, you know, I'll start off a little bit. It is surreal because I, I just graduated. So this is uh, to be able to have this opportunity. Uh, it's all coming full circle. I graduated about three weeks ago from USC. I have my EDD um, in organizational change and leadership. So it's uh, focused on, you know, the education doctorate. Um, and so my journey, it took me over three years. Uh, it was part-time. So I did, I did this mainly on the weekends. And this is an incredible program through USC where it was all virtual, virtual pre-COVID even. So it worked well with my personal demands, which is I have two children, they're teenagers. Fortunately, they don't want to spend much time with mom, which was a little bit of why <laughs> I thought this would be a great time. Yeah. And then oh, okay. obviously, yeah, yeah like- I'll well, get a PhD. Yeah. Right, I'm sitting here doing nothing. You're off with your friends. I might as well do something productive. And then obviously my <laughs> professional life, which, yeah. you know, it's uh, a demanding job. And uh, so navigating those two things was was quite challenging. I did have a lot of support through work. 
But as you talked about, Sarah, it was a, it's just a great passion of mine. And when I started, I had people tell me, you know, you're not going to get a better job as a result of this. So why are you doing this? And first of all, I just love to learn. You know, I've always been um, focused on my continuous improvement, learning new things. I knew that some of the folks in the cohort that I had met previously, that I was going to learn so much from them as well. So it wasn't just learning the subject, but learning from them. And that really inspired me. And then it was focused on, this program was focused on theory as a practice. And this really is what got me with this program. Mm -hmm. So I learned a lot. I created this content, my dissertation, which I know we'll get into. And then now it's all about the hard work starting because how do we now go make this change? And that's why I loved this program and was really eager to go to do that and make the sacrifice. I would have to say the biggest thing I sacrificed was my social life. <laughs> if I wasn't with the kids and I wasn't working, I was pretty much doing school yeah, I, no, and I can totally relate to the, you know, once my kids hit their teen years, you know, with the exception of when they needed a ride or money, like, yes. you know, I was non-existent. And so, yeah, there was a huge gap of time available. <laughs> oh, gosh, no. Well, welcome. Welcome so much. Um, Cornelia, tell us about your personal, professional and academic career as well. Yeah, so um, about 16 years ago now, I, uh, I left uh, the corporate space and uh, launched uh, my firm 3C Consulting. We're an organization that specializes in the retention and advancement of mission critical talent. Um, we crossed a really big milestone this year, becoming a multinational firm. So we have folks in the United States and Latin America, which is pretty exciting and not something um, I anticipated when I started this organization. Um, but, I, you know, Sarah, you and I have talked a lot over the years, and I think at some point I shared with you, um, I'm an accidental entrepreneur. I didn't mm -hmm. necessarily <laughs> plan to be one uh, in my life. And I'm also an accidental PhD student, uh, which I know for, for, for those of you listening uh, is probably like, how is that possible? Uh, but for me, uh, my PhD is in conscious business ethics. It's a metaphysical degree, and I have been a student of metaphysics for several years. And so for me, because I was a student of the topic anyway, <laughs> it was kind of like, if you're going to go down this path, you might as well get the PhD in the process. And so uh, it just made a lot of sense to me. I, too, am in a virtual program. Um, and I, unlike many, our program, unlike many, um, does not have a, a, a defense date by. So many programs you have to defend by a certain date. Um, I don't have that restriction. So it's meant for me that I've had the flexibility to integrate that into, you know, a very full business and 26 people who work for me um, and a husband. And as you know, Sarah, I'm childless by choice, but I have uh, my husband's sister had a baby about a year and a half ago, and there have not been six weeks that have passed that we have not seen her. Oh, so about God. every six weeks, we, we tra traverse back to Michigan to go see um, the baby as we refer, refer to her in the house. Um, and so, so for me, I thought about and think about this because I'm not quite finished yet. I do have a deadline. I have a milestone birthday coming up uh, before the end of the year. And it's my intention to be done before my birthday. Um, but for me, 
It's been about two things. One, um, I have an accountability buddy who actually went through the same program I did. And so we have very consistent writing dates. She too is an entrepreneur. And so she's able to do work (laughs) while I'm writing. Um, And uh, I look at it as, as I do all of my work. It just has to get calendared, right? So literally, you know, when we get off this call today, I have to read a portion of my paper and write another portion today. So um, that's the next, literally the next thing on my agenda today. So for me, that's how I've had to manage both my work life um, and my professional life. And, and part of that is, is principled um, in the book that I wrote before I started school called Design Your Life, right? You, you create your life and your experience, which is part of what is taught in the degree that I'm pursuing. And so for me, it, it's not about choosing one thing or the other or having to sacrifice as defined by um you know, giving up something that you really desire. I look at sacrifices, giving up something for a, of a lower nature for something of a higher nature. And so for me, it makes it much easier to say, okay, I have these hours. What it, What's of highest good for me to use in this time? And that's been the way that I've approached kind of pursuing this academic pursuit. And Cornelia, you had shared with me the last time you and I chatted um, your your favorite quote. Uh, oh, I've got a lot. So, so, so but the, the, there's the one word. that sits on my computer. There's actually two um, that sit on my computer, one of which is a course in, from a, the book of Course in Miracles, uh, which if you're a new to metaphysics, I don't recommend reading it. I actually recommend reading uh, Marianne Williamson's Return to Love, a reflection on A Course in Miracles, because A Course in Miracles is pretty heavy. Uh, But the quote says this, the truth about you is so lofty that nothing unworthy of God is worthy of you. Choose then what you want in these terms and accept nothing that you would not offer to God as wholly fitting for him. And that's from the book, of course, in miracles. And then the other um, that's literally taped to my monitor, it says, I expand in abundance, success and love every day as I inspire those around me to do the same. Okay, I love both of those quotes. I'm glad we got to share those. I was thinking of the one where you said, uh, you can have it all, you just can't have it all at the same time. That's right. You can have it all, just not all at once. That is a a Bethany Frankel quote. Um, (laughs) If anybody ever watched the the Real Housewives of New York, I think is the the show she was on. Um, But she's also a very successful entrepreneur, right? She sold her company for $100 million to Seagram's. Um, and she started as a nutritionist. So that's a quote about food, right? Um, because she was trying to get people to understand that you can have what you want, but you can't have it all at once. And I think, I don't know that I fully ascribe to that in the sense that for me, I do feel like I've had, I have it all, right? I have a great career. I have a great team. I have a wonderful husband and a good family and a wonderful support system. I just get to choose what matters most in the moment. Right. And that happens to be my definition of success is to be able to be present in the moment for what matters most in that moment. And so in this moment, what matters most is being present with you and our listeners today, right? In an hour, what's going to matter most is me working on my paper. But if something (laughs) happens, right, if something happens in the midst of that, right, last week, a very dear friend of mine and I were supposed to meet for coffee and I called her on my way and she was like, my husband's in the hospital. Like, don't come. I went yeah. to the hospital. 
right? We were planning to do something. I went and sat with her in the hospital, right? Because what mattered most in that moment was being there for my friend. So, does. Yeah. so for me, I don't think about it as, as I shared earlier, sacrifice is not about giving up something that you really want. It's about trading something of a lower nature for something of a higher nature. And if you can stand in that space, you can create the opportunity to continue to receive the abundant life that you desire. Life lesson. Thank you. So Jen, let's hear about your personal and professional and academic journey. Sure. So um, I'll start, I think, maybe with the, um, the professional one, because you had alluded to some changes that are on the horizon. I know. We need so, to celebrate your new adventure. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I have had the honor and privilege to lead an amazing team um, for learning and development at the Global Support Office of Ahold Delhi's for a number of years. And um, I'm sad to leave them, but absolutely thrilled to be taking on a new challenge. So I'll leave our GSO and I will be taking on the role of head of human resources for the giant company, um, which is a company I'd worked for many years back. And I'm very excited to be heading back home um, to join many uh, friends that I feel like our family um, and help them on their journey to delighting our customers every day. So I'm very excited about this next step. There's certainly lots to learn and tons to do. Um, but that's a little bit on the uh, professional journey and the exciting news that you mentioned. Um, on my academic journey, so I have my uh, PhD in workforce education and development. I uh, completed that at the Penn State University. I'm a proud Penn Stater. Um, if I think back to the period of time when I started that journey, so I started in 2003. I very vividly uh, remember going through the application process and I had applied for two programs, Penn State being one. Um, and I really, I didn't have the expectation that I would be accepted. Um, it was something I wanted to pursue because I was new at the time in the field of human resource development. Mm -hmm. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to grow. Um, I talked with some who thought, you know, made the suggestion of if you're choosing between a second master's degree and a PhD, PhD might give you a whole new lens on how to look at problems and uncertainties. And that's something we deal with every day. So that's part of what lit my fire to want to go and pursue that. But I really didn't think I would get in. Um, and in the same week, and I want to tell you maybe within two or three days within the same week, I found out I was expecting my first child and I found out I got into the Penn State program. And I, I kind of, I was in a little bit of a quandary as to what does one do with these newfound facts, right? That feel as though they're kind of in competition with each other. Um, and my husband and I talked about it a lot and I talked about it at work a little bit as well, but I couldn't say too much there because I wasn't yet sharing that I was expecting, right? So the conclusion that we came to is, you know, sometimes the impossible is possible if we just get creative and that's what we decided to do. We decided to jump in, you know, um, feet first and hope for the best, truthfully. I remember missing my first class. Um, because I was still recovering from a C-section and starting my <laughs> second class then <laughs> um, with a newborn baby at home. Um, and I'll share some things I found along the way that might be helpful to others who are kind of in a similar quandary of, can I do it all? Can I have it all? And I love the quote of, you can do it all, but maybe not just at once. 
um, is that there are moments in life, no matter how you're designing your life to kind of steal your, uh, your, um, approach there, Cornelia, that you can find time. Um, so very similar, I think, to Val, the experience you described of your children are at a phase where there's some space and time. What I quickly realized is my little guy was very little. He loved to sleep a lot. He was a very good nap partner. And I could choose, right, to either watch TV with him on the couch while he slept or I could choose to do a little bit of research and work on my studies while he slept. Um, so I very strategically used nap time um, for a number of years. I am grateful to this day that he's a great sleeper. Um, and he took his naps very well throughout my entire study. Um, and the program I was in was a interesting one. And in so there was some flexibility in there. It wasn't virtual though. So there were some times I had to travel. Sometimes that meant that uh, my husband had a nice daddy weekend with our little guy. Sometimes that meant they came along, right? Yeah. And even though it wasn't what I would have planned, it's something that I'm really grateful that we did together and we made it through as a family. The program was amazing. I met amazing people along the way. I learned about myself and about others along the way. Um, and when I think back, I do sometimes wonder if I slept. I know I did because that is like my number one priority <laughs> in life. Um, but that's a little bit about my journey and getting started with my Incredible. PhD and balancing it. So, so how many, Val, how many years for you? It took three, three years. Three. And then Cornelia, you're, you're targeting three-ish, right? Yeah. And then Jen, same for you. Yeah, it was about three and a half. Yeah. Right. So you, as, as I would expect nothing less from you three ladies, sure as heck didn't take six years for you. <laughs> and then in, in this same article, it said most people go to get the PhD because they want to teach. Val, do you eventually want to teach? Yeah, I think it would be a great opportunity after I retire. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'd be incredibly fulfilling. Yeah. Cornelia, how about you? I teach every day. So it's, ah. it's part of the work that, that we do, right? We we support people um, like Jen and Val to ha really help create cultures that that thrive and, and teams that thrive. And so that requires a lot of education. So, so it's how very about, much integrated into the work that we do, but I don't intend to pursue from an academic. Like within an academic institution. Right. And then Jen, how about you? Yeah, I would definitely love to have that opportunity to give back to others at some point. Um, it's not something I have on the immediate horizon, but, you know, maybe similar to your reflection, Val, you know, take that on in retirement. Maybe that could be something I think I would enjoy. All right. I, I sadly, we have to take a quick short commercial break, although we love our commercials and all who sponsor, um, but we will be back and we're going to dive into advice and guidance that you can give to somebody who does want to pursue something as lofty as a PhD or some type of ongoing education. And then more importantly, leaders in corporate organizations, here's what you need to be doing to provide that to your employees. I want to thank everybody who's been listening in this morning to our Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. You can check us out at nextupisnow.org for more information on Next Up and all of our podcasts. We'll be back.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. For over 20 years, Next Up has been bringing professional women, allies, and corporate partners together to champion gender equity and advance all women in their careers. Together, we are a powerful, growing community of over 14,000 members and 300-plus regional and corporate sponsors. We work to create leadership opportunities, amplify women's voices in the workplace, and ensure that all women in business can seize opportunities in the now and in the next. Members of Next Up gain access to a broad community of like-minded professionals dedicated to women's equity and leadership development across our 21 regional communities. Get best-in-class leadership development opportunities and attend our two annual national conferences, which bring together the strongest minds in DEI and B and leadership. Join Next Up today. Visit nextupisnow.org slash membership to learn more about becoming a member. That's nextupisnow.org slash membership. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. There are lots of unanswered questions about life's problems, and this is especially true about spiritual life. Why can't we see God? Why is there evil in this world? Why does God let bad things happen to us and to others? Can we get divine help? Join Carl Mollison and co-host Brian Kelly for Get Wisdom. They have new answers from the Almighty you need to hear. And listening could definitely change your life. Tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Want to learn more about the show and about Next Up? Visit our website at nextupisnow.org. That's nextupisnow.org. Now, back to Advancing All Women. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Sarah Alter in the Advancing All Women radio show and podcast. And I am joined today by Cornelia Shipley, CEO and founder, 3C Consulting, Val Oswald, Executive Vice President and President of Campbell Snacks, Campbell Soup Company, and Jen Kruger, who is, Jen, remind me of your new title. Yes, so Vice President Team Experience for the Giant Company. Excellent. So welcome back. Um, In today's discussion, we are talking about how you can work your way through 
pursuing your PhD or any type of ongoing educational pursuit and what you as leaders can do to better enable this opportunity for your team members as knowledge has a shelf life. All right, so, so let's lead into this. Um, Val, if, if you can you know, tee us up, you clearly had a full-time and then some job <laughs> and life, and then you had to approach your company to say, hey, I want to layer on top of this yet another experience in, in my life. Um, you know, how did you go about it and, and how receptive was Campbell's? Yeah, so I, I still remember clearly talking to both my boss as well as the chief uh, human resource officer to get their support. Um, so I approached it in a couple of ways. One, look, my, my dissertation has a business impact on, on our company, yeah. right? Not only my ability to learn and grow and lead in a different way, it was focused on organizational change and leadership, which is, you know, <laughs> what I do as a leader. Uh, but also my dissertation is focused on the lack of executive female leaders in S&P 500 companies in the U.S. And so it really talked about the fact that, you know, women are entering the workforce at equal rates to men with equal ambitions, but something is happening that their ambitions are waning and women four times that of men are opting out at senior level roles. And so we have um, an ambition to continue to develop a diverse and equitable workforce uh, that has inclusion and, and, you know, clearly creates a sense of belonging. And so I felt that my dissertation could clearly impact some of those results. So I talked to my boss about the fact that I do at some point want to make sure that I can leverage this learning and this investment yeah. to yeah. continue to drive business results. And when you have a diverse organization, the evidence is so clear that your business results are better. So when you have a diverse organization that is working effectively together, your business results improve. So there was an ROI for this investment um, on behalf of the company, as well as I had to reassure them, to your point, that given the demands of my role, um, you know, that I was not going to allow any of that responsibility to wane. And that was a commitment that I had to make. And I did you know, I know, as we talked earlier, this is all about choices and prioritization. And so you you do have to constantly ebb and flow. So some weeks I had board meetings coming up and, and those weeks I worked more than I did anything on my on my schoolwork, right? So you had to flex and I had to commit to that, to the organization. And that's my responsibility. So clearly showed an ROI, you know, committed to making sure this would not come at any expense to my ability to lead the way um, was needed. And then you know, I shared my journey along the way. He, he understood how important this was to me. And, um, you know, it was really purposeful. And it, that ability to invest in me drove a deeper level even of commitment and engagement to the organization because they were supporting me and allowing me to do something that was just so passionate. Um, so I, my next step now that I'm done is to really work back with the organization and take my, my learnings and insights and my recommendations and make sure that we're not only employing them at Kimball's, but other, other places, but starting there. <laughs> Absolutely. Which is, which is just a great approach in general, right? Like if you're interested in 
investing back in you know your education whether it's a phd an mba you know a masters any type of graduate or um just even just ongoing certification right it's like tie it back to the business you know here's right. how it'll make me a better leader here's how it will you know benefit our company so Cornelia, you have a slightly different story in that you are the boss. <laughs> so you didn't have to go to anybody to get permission. <laughs> so how how did you think that through then? You know, and, and you said, and I and I love that you call yourself the accidental entrepreneur in PhD, but how did you, you know, how did you think that through that process? Like, okay, I know this will be a big demand on my time in life, but I'll let you fill in the blanks there. Yeah. So, so for me, you know, um, actually yesterday, my husband and I um, celebrated our engagement anniversary. So we, we've been together 14 years now. Congratulations. Um, thank you. And, and we'll be, <laughs> we'll be married for 10 um, coming up in September. And so oh. for me, it was really about saying to my husband, um, okay, look, if I do this, like, let's talk about what, you know, what you're going to need. Right. Right. In, in that. Um, and then more importantly, I didn't pursue it until I felt like my team could really continue to deliver for our clients. Absolutely. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, I do work with clients, um, but our team does most of our 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 interaction on a day-to-day -day basis with our clients. And so, you know, like yesterday, one of my team members was um, in South Carolina delivering a workshop and somebody else was, you know, executive coaching in, in New Mexico. And so like, you know, there's this thing about being able to make sure that the business would continue to be delivered in the moments when I needed to block time. The other thing is uh, my assistant is amazing and we're all very clear that my writing time is sacred. And so when it's on the calendar, um, it pretty much takes an act of Congress to, to have something <laughs> get scheduled over that time. Right. Um, and it's because we adopt the principle in our business. If it's important enough to get put on the calendar, it's important enough to either be rescheduled or it has to be a really serious thing to have the, the issue be moved, right? So like last week, I was supposed to be writing on Friday. My girlfriend's husband was in the hospital and we didn't know what was wrong with him, right? So mm -hmm. like that, that turned into, that was more important than me writing on a Friday afternoon. So for me, it's been about making sure that our business would continue to grow. It has. We've, you know, you know, grown the business more than 150% in the time that I've been in the PhD program. Um, so, you know, our clients continue to be pleased. We continue to grow with our client base and grow our client base. Um, and what was important to me was to make sure that that would continue to happen in the face of me continuing to pursue this degree. And for me, one of the best things about it is I get to apply everything that I'm learning with our clients all the time. You know, when yeah. you think about the awakening yeah. that's happening in, in our country in particular and the level of consciousness people are now having to toxicity in the workplace and how, you know, the damage that people have occurred in their life shows up in their workplace the work that we do helps address those issues. And so, and the work that I'm learning in my PhD program helps address those issues. So I stay in the conversation about my course of study all the time. 
which really does help when it's, when I now sit down and write about yeah. what is my unique yeah. position about this because I get to see it played out every day with our clients. Yeah, I I was fortunate enough to go back and get my MBA and I waited I think it was like 8 years. And it was such a blessing because I had 8 years of business experience. So when I sat in the class I could connect, right? You know, with the concepts. I, you know, I could connect with, oh, yeah, we did do that at our company. Oh, we should not have done that at our company. And it's just all the more meaningful, right? All the more impactful. Absolutely. And, yeah. And I loved what you said too, which is just a general business principle in itself, which is, hey, you're only going to be as successful as your team. <laughs> That's right. Know, so make sure you've got a strong team you know, because it's, 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 it's the team that ends up making it happen at the end of the day. Well, and being um, willing to ask for support, right? We as women right. don't do that. And I think, you know, um, you know, both Val and Jen have talked about as, as moms, right, asking their spouses and their kids to support them in that process. Mm -hmm. You have to have a good ecosystem around you if you're going to pursue this particular academic pursuit <laughs> um, that will, will support you. And you've got to be willing to use your voice to express what you need um, and what support looks like for you. Because what, you know, Jen needed or Val needed or I need in this process looks very different. And you can't expect your family and friends to read your mind about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jen, um, talk to us about how you approached your company and what that looked like in terms of making it happen. Yeah, sure. So, you know, when I was um, at that point in my career, I had just transitioned into a role where I was leading the learning and development function. So I was no longer in a, a hands-on practitioner role, but really looking to lead us to that next level. And what I realized is that wasn't something I wanted to do alone, right? I wanted to do that in company with others who had that passion, that capability, those experiences. And that was part of the conversation that I had with my team at the time, with my leadership team to say, you know, where we are right now, we'll continue to improve. We always will. But I feel like there's more out there and there's more that I don't yet have access to. And I want to unlock that. And that was part of the conversation that I had with the leadership team I was working with then. At the same time, I talked to them about in, in the situation I was in, I was also responsible for a geography. And for me, the program I was going to enroll in was an hour and 45 minute drive away. And one of our geographies is in that vicinity. So that was another ask I had of, can I blend a bit of this work responsibility and my travel need to have a little bit more time efficiency? And I mean, it, it felt like a big ask to me. It was probably a small ask <laughs> to them as I look back on it. Um, but those little things made a big difference. Um, the other thing I would encourage people to think about is also having the conversation with the lead of the program that you're enrolling in or your advisor, if you know who that's going to be. Um, and part of the conversation I had with them at the time was, this is new to me in terms of pursuing a PhD. I don't know what I need to do. How is the program structured in a way to help me get there? And I was very, very fortunate in the sense that when the courses were taken in the right sequence in the program I was in, they really helped me through each one of the chapters of my dissertation. 
had I not had that conversation up front, I might have chosen a different sequence and I still would have gotten there, but it would have taken longer. Um, so I think that's also a really good conversation just to have with the program itself that you're considering, which is, here's my situation. How can I optimize my ability to get through the program, grow through the program and learn in the program and take it all into account? And I was really fortunate that I just got very good advice at that time from them as well as support from the leadership in the company. So was your program fully in person then? Or did you have any virtual components to it? It was 100%, right? It was 100% in person. And some of them were scheduled in a way that were super easy for a working professional in the sense that it was like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we would do that twice. And that would cover the semester for that course. There were a few others, though. You know, it created a little bit more of a logistical challenge where it was one night a week. um, And I didn't have to deal with that every semester. But at times I did. And there I just got creative with many times on my way to campus, it was calls with team members who I needed to connect with anyway. And on my way home from campus, it was kind of late, but I had some friends who were night owls. It was nice to connect with them too. Yeah. Yeah. And then Cornelia, yours is a hundred percent virtual, right? That's right. Yep. hundred percent virtual. Um, and um, it was really funny because I was just looking. And so actually this month, um, marks the two year mark for me in the program. So, um, one, one year to go. So, yeah. And, and as I've got, I've got two papers left and I'm done and I'm hopeful to be done with it before the end of the year. But, but for me, there was no way I would have been able to do it if there had been a campus requirement. I am going to go to campus for graduation, but that's it. Yeah. And then Val, yours was supposed supposed to be in person but then flipped to virtual because of covid right it's it was part hybrid yeah we had a immersion weeks so we had immersion weeks that were mandatory and they were really intense fortunately we were able to do the first one pre-covid but then all the classes were virtual outside of the immersion week already that was the way the the uh you know program was structured from the beginning so that's what's it's it's we've got about five minutes left. So let's flip to okay, advice and guidance to companies. Like how how do you make this happen? You know, be it a PhD, an MBA, you know, any type of ongoing work. Um, it seems like hybrid and virtual are a key component, right? It's it's um, it can just I think both personally for the individual, but then also for the company, right? Like and and there's a plethora right? Like a plethora of programs out there that are virtual, just like as you've demonstrated, Cornelia, what other, what other pieces of advice would you give to corporate leaders? Yeah, I think that the big thing I, 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 I give to folks is really getting clear from an organizational perspective about what are the academic and other educational pursuits you're willing to support for your people. So Mm -hmm. we have clients who have supported, you know, people to take things like educational leave to go hike Mount Kilimanjaro, right? For the purposes of really learning about themselves and understanding, you know, and overcoming obstacles and all of the things that are possible. So I think as as an organization, you have to be clear about what are the educational pursuits, both traditional and non-traditional, that support the objectives of, of your purpose and mission and vision as an organization? And then how do you equitably apply that policy across your business? 
so that, you know, the, the new mom um, who just had a baby and is a VP in your organization can go and get her PhD, <laughs> um, you know, and the mom who, uh, you know, has two kids and is the president of your snacks business can go get her PhD, right? right. So you've got to make sure that you're applying the policies that you have in an equitable way and consider both traditional and non-traditional education as part of that process. That's so interesting. Yeah, you're right. And, 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 and be it like the same could be said for like the sabbatical time off, right? That's right. And providing that opportunity that not only the funding, but then the opportunity to do it should that experience require that full-time focus and engagement, right? That's so interesting. Val, you had a thought yeah. on this. <laughs> I'm thinking a it's couple. a next would be awesome. I know. <laughs> That's I know. My head went. I was like, after getting this, <laughs> um, <laughs> hmm, how do I think about that question? So, you know, what I was thinking about, and it ties actually to, I have, I had five recommendations coming out of my dissertation, uh, three tied to this, which is, you know, creating a sense of well-being, offering the right flexibility for folks to thrive. Uh, and creating a sense of belonging. And for me, the enablement of me pursuing my doctorate did all three for me because it was something that I was really passionate about and gave me a lot of energy um, and, and really helped me achieve something very purposeful in my life, right? And it also made me feel like I belong because I could show up and I could talk about it. And I talked about it intentionally and especially as a leader because I want others to pursue their passions as well. And, you know, it's interesting, uh, Cordelia, you had made that quote <laughs> in my dissertation. I said, you can have it all. You just can't have it all at the same time. And I was referencing one of the articles ages ago that said you, women can't have it all because I never agreed with that. And, you know, and I talk about it that way. Like, I've, oh, I have always wanted to get my doctorate and I just needed to do it at the right time. And I knew it was the right time for my children, for my, my job, et cetera. And so for me helping folks understand the, you know, that it, it created such incredible retention for me with the organization and engagement, um, but you need the flexibility, right? So again, it ties back to creating a sense of belonging. It, for me, it was about well-being as well. And then um, the flexibility to get it done, because there were times that, you know, I need to take a day off here or there. Um, and I was able to do that. Um, so I was very grateful. And you need to ask, like, Jen, I loved your stories about, oh, well, maybe I can go work at this location or I'm going to drive here and take flexibility. It's like I'm going to take conference calls in the car. You know, there were times when I had immersion week. I would like I need to do this remote, but I'll jump on some calls. Right. So um, I, and I think it's us asking for that. They don't know. I always tell folks they don't we don't know what you need. You know. And the, the theme that I'm hearing from everyone is that we knew what we wanted and we asked for it, <laughs> which mm -hmm. is awesome. Spot on. And, and I love to Cornelia, to your comment, like it has been this era of everybody keeps calling it the great resignation. Let's name it the great enlightenment. And it's, you know, not only ourselves and knowing what we want, <laughs> you know, and asking for yeah. it. But then companies just realizing, oh, I, I guess I got to be a little bit more creative and flexible and the job can get done, you know, in different locations and in different time periods and in different ways. And um, Jen, what what advice would you give? Because given your role, <laughs> you are clearly an expert in this. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think one thing that value mentioned that just really resonated is the sense of loyalty to a company. Um, and I, I think that's something to really consider in terms of thinking about the organization strategy and how continuous education fits into that. And then how to really bring forth the culture where it's encouraged and help to p- help people to think through what the possibilities might look like for them. Yeah. Um, I think also, you know, something that Cornelia, you mentioned is around that equity with it as well, right? So I think one thing I would recommend to companies is also not waiting for people to come forward and ask, but also putting the word out there proactively and helping right. encourage people to think about it as a possibility. If you're thinking about building a workforce of forward thinkers and people who are, I'm going to say detail oriented and not afraid to take on the unknown. I think someone who's gone through a PhD program helps to hone some of those skills, right? I don't pretend that it's a perfect training ground because I think we all know every day trains us something new, Um, but I think it's a great way to help to encourage individuals to put themselves out there, learn and grow, um, and also help the company culture evolve to one that's innovative, creative, and willing to take on the unknown. Well, thank you, all three of you. Um, You know, Cornelia, I'm taking you away right now from your dissertation. So thank you for sharing this precious hour. My pleasure. And uh, and Val and Jen, thank you so much for sharing, you know, your story. And I hope that this inspires everybody to pursue some type of ongoing education. Thank you to everybody for listening in today. And I want to thank Voice America for always giving me and Next Up the opportunity to share our voice and mission with you. In our show next week, you're going to hear tips on how to better invest with a DEIB lens in your portfolio strategy. To learn more about Next Up and listen to all of our podcasts, check us out at nextupisnow.org. I'm Sarah Alter. Thank you for always listening. Thanks for listening to Advancing All Women with host Sarah Alter. Be sure to tune in again next week. Our program is live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment or catch our replays weekly on Voice America Influencers. Until we talk again, enjoy your week.